what's up? Zach Wilde doesn't have a beard in this movie. And it freaked me out. <laughs> so weird. It's weird. He has a giant butthole. Sh- it really freaked me out. It's like seeing, it's like if you have a bald dad and you see an old picture of him with hair. It took it's me surprising. several, probably halfway through this movie to understand that that's who that was. I saw his name in the credits. And then um, I realized just based on his guitar move and a big chain having lifestyle that it was him. I did think his tattoo was fake until I realized. I'm like, why does it look familiar, though? And you're like, yeah, it's fucking Zach Wild. Out of context, I had absolutely no idea who he was until you mentioned it. And I was like, what the fuck? I guess I can't picture who that is without a beard or a knowing stripe? beforehand that yeah. it was going to be Zach Wild. I heard all the guitar squealing and I was like, interesting. Sounds like Black Label Society, but... And it sure enough was. <laughs> Folks, you're listening to Pod Minutes to Cast Night, the two minutes to late night podcast. It's normally a podcast where we talk about albums that are critically reviled and then we try to find something nice about them. We're now doing movies, but only movies about music. You're with one of the members of the Two Minutes to Late Night Writers Room. Hi, it's me, America's sweetheart, Katie Rose Leon, and number one asthmatic of the year. I got on the cover of the magazine, and I sent me an award. It's a golden inhaler that also works. I'm via satellite because I'm mysteriously allergic to something in Jordan's apartment. And uh, that's it, folks. That, 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 that's all, folks. It's not a mystery. I'm allergic to the entire apartment. <laughs> I'm Kat Jones, and I heard rats in the wall this week. So that's probably what Katie is allergic to in our apartment. Yeah. Ooh, Katie fun. is probably allergic. Most people are probably allergic to several New York rats. New York, everybody. Great. It's the most magical place on earth. We also just You live- know, they can dig through concrete, so have fun with that. We have actually found their hole in the front. Uh, there's like a there's a tree outside and a patch of dirt and there's a hole that goes underneath the concrete from there and I think they have dug through the walls and into the basement and then like in the hallway wall. Yeah, we figured but, out man. the dig dug uh <laughs> level that they're on. Um, this I city of dreams. <laughs> yeah, I don't. We're living in a mean person's Lego experiment. Like that's the apartment. That's why our rent is cheap. That's why we that's why there are two bathrooms is because everything else is a mistake. Right. And if something breaks, they won't come fix it. Yeah. So we're on our own. Yeah. City of dreams. Really. Yeah. <laughs> real dream real, real dream hole over here. Uh and I am uh I'm Jordan Olds and I have been up since three in the morning because something in the upstairs of the apartment was on fire and firemen Busted into the apartment at 3 a.m. last night. Oh, but were they sexy firemen? They were. I don't even know. Question, Jordan. They were moving so fast I couldn't (laughs) tell if they were sexy or not. They were kind of just like protective blurs. We're just going to say yes. Yes, they were. Thank you. Yeah. I did not wake up because I apparently (laughs) was dead asleep. But I'm just going to go ahead and say they were hot. They were all very hot. I'm in a delirium. I every time we record this podcast, it's 
it, we I have just left an experience that has uh, left me in exhaustion. To be fair, as someone who records an obscene amount of audio content, I will tell you that all podcasts are recorded in a straight-up fugue state. Yes. I don't remember anything I say. It's like a total goldfish moment. Totally. It's, uh, yeah, every time I have, to, if I have to edit the episode, I'm surprised. <laughs> Did you listen to anything you enjoyed this week? I cannot stop listening to the new Lana Del Rey album. It's amazing. Cool. It's she's really so good. spooky and sad. You love to see it. She's that sunshine spooky, which is rare. Yeah, she's sunshine spooky just like LA is. Like this album sounds like creepy paradise LA. It's it's very strange, but this is the first album that I've ever listened to of hers that has really grabbed me and mm. um it has some serious Fiona Apple vibes in it. And if we can't have a new Fiona Apple record, I will take this instead. Cool. Happily. They both live in strong Venice. endorsement. So. <laughs> I have never been a, a strong Lana Del Rey fan. I gave it a shot, but it takes a special something for me to like something with that low energy. Mm-hmm. So it sounds I like Xanax it. for sure. Yeah. Which, like romantic Xanax. Yeah. I like like um, a miserable... Uh, that's a, the side project of uh, the front woman from yeah, King Woman. Yeah, I was woman. waiting for you to say a name after that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I realize I can't just say like, I, like, like miserable. A, yeah, a miserable Whitney Houston. Like a miserable, like yeah. That. Miserable is like a like a shoegaze project, right? Whereas Lana Del Rey and Fiona Apple and those types of people are like singer songwriters. So it's more about the lyrics than the reverb. The reverb, and I feel like. Um, but it's the same type of feel. You you, you yeah, hear the, the sleepiness and the yeah. All three of those, they all go ooh. They all do that. <laughs> they all do a that, and I uh, it just take it's. I'm very particular with when I like. I love a Fiona Apple. I love an extraordinary machine very much. I don't know why that's my. It just Fiona sounds Apple. like it's just not your thing like because all these things are related to each other it's okay just not to like one you know what i mean Fiona's oh, yeah. probably the le- the least sleepy of all of those yeah though. she's not it's much more like like waltzy and piano-y totally mm. i meant yeah. more that just like with miserable uh, and lana del rey's very similar just sleepy vocal stylings i just like uh i'm particular with my sleepy music i think sleepy, it's pr- beautiful people yeah, it might just be that I'm bad at sleeping, and so I'm very grumpy about sleepy things. <laughs> but who knows? Katie, what did you listen to this week? Um, I tried talking to you guys about this last time, but uh, I've been listening to the new Knocked Loose album, not Knocked Up, which I keep accidentally calling them <laughs> literally in every conversation it's come up with, like multiple times now. I am very dyslexic, so it's a whole thing for me. Uh <laughs> I, you know, I just, uh, I usually don't listen to things applicable to our show, but here we are. I, I really love it, except it is very funny because they're clearly like 19 or some shit because every once in a while there's a lyric where I'm like, you can just tell your mom you're mad at her. Yeah, <laughs> but, for uh, sure. I like a knocked loose. They're hardcore. They have real low heavy riffs and really young highish bird boy screams yeah i like i want to act like i don't love that shit but i fucking love that shit you know it's like you can leave long island but it's still a part of you and uh it's just 
yeah, I just, it's going to be fall soon, and I either want <laughs> spooky hardcore or spooky Xanax music like we're talking about. So I'm ready. Perfect. I'm ready to feel ways about stuff, whether that stuff is me punching the ground furiously or staring over the dock and thinking about a lover who drowned. Well... <laughs> Uh, might I recommend to you that you watch the K-Pit video that we did, that Garang did with uh, Knock Loose. Yeah. It's very good. I watch every one of the K-Pit videos. They're so good, dog. Hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, no, it's just legit. <laughs> I'm just now realizing that I think, you know what? I think the singer of Knock Loose isn't a bird. But I think he is a small dog that is loud, but that you love. Yeah, you know what I mean. When it's we were like, doing the stream of that K pit, the comments, uh, a lot of them were like, "He sounds like Mickey Mouse a little bit," and I thought that was really adorable. Like I was like, "That's perfect." I, He's like the, the angriest Mickey Mouse ever, and that band is so good. It's like it's the weirdest combination of things being that like, you know breakdown chugga chugga and then mickey mouse <laughs> i love yeah, it. i historically have always loved bands with singers with what we will say are unique voices i think it's because i sound like a straight up muppet and when i hear other like muppets <laughs> in the wild it's like a weird mating call where you're like oh my own kind you made it to the stage it's like inspiring and relatable and also like yeah because i'm a very angry person but when you sound like this no one takes it seriously and it makes you want to yell <laughs> i was just talking about this with a friend we were talking about how when people don't understand why people don't like their like favorite band or something and i it's one of those things where it's it's like i also i also like my fate all my favorite things have a very distinct weird vocal style and so for me when someone says they like hate my one of my favorite things i kind of completely understand yeah. at the same time yeah, like I'm i know that the vocalists that i like aren't for everybody yeah, I think you and I talked about that a little bit on the episode where we talked about Devo and Klezmer, the Norwegian boy. But yeah, like I, I like music with really strange vocalists or like that is really angular or weird or hard to get into or super art school. And when someone's like, I don't like that band, I'm like, I totally understand. Yeah, for sure. The it's world embarrassing be very boring. even having this conversation. But <laughs> the world would be so boring if we all like the same stuff. This week, I um, I found out that there's uh, a country album of uh, just really dirty South uh, Van Halen covers, and David Lee Roth just sings on two of them. So it's just banjo and acoustic guitar versions of just like jump. And like Jamie's crying and stuff, and David Lee Roth is singing it, and it is the weirdest and greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I love amazing. it so much. That sounds delightful, and I'm actually kind of disappointed that you didn't tell me about that because I need to listen to it it's immediately. So good. I was about to say, like, how are you two not listening to that together? That sounds yeah, beautiful. I'm like, but also, excuse me, David Lee I'm Roth personally makes tattoo cream, and I bought it when I was high and it turns out it works really well. So that is my plug for, What's it for, called? for ink. 
It's tattoo just called brightening it. bomb. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> tattoo brightening bomb. I'm gonna you get can it. Buy some. You, I can, be- you can put it on your Van Halen tattoo. I know. That's my. It's all coming together. You know. Let's talk about this movie. This all right. This week we're talking about the movie Rockstar. This is very much for me. It's the same thing as Airheads, where I saw it just on TV all the time, and I think it actually was one of the f- first things I ever saw Mark Wahlberg in. So I assumed that Mark Wahlberg was just like hair metal trash for most of my life. So when I found out later that he was a rapper, spun my head around. That's pretty An underwear model. And an underwear model. Do you guys have an experience with this movie prior to us having to watch it for this podcast? I had never seen it in full before, but I had seen like 15 minutes of the ending on TV one time. Like I saw just the part where he like hands the microphone to the person in the audience. That's the only that's the only context I have for the whole movie. And I was just like, this movie seems weird. <laughs> yeah. Good instincts, Kat. And that was like maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago. So it's been a long time. It's about time for me to watch the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Katie? I've literally never even heard about this movie until it was brought up to me by the group. Like, I didn't know it existed. I didn't know anything about it. It had been wiped from my slate. Uh, so this was a experience that I went through. Yeah, this was this is a movie that I saw, forgot about, and then Jeremy reminded me. Uh, he reminded me of it by saying that, like, by talking about how this was inspired by the Judas Priest story, which is insane. Yeah, That's, I mean, for so many reasons, it's for, insane. This to me feels like just how the, how this whole mer- movie worked out. Did you guys ever read any of those articles about like Sasha Baron Cohen quitting the Queen movie? Oh yeah, I was following that closely because when they first announced him as Freddie Mercury, I was like, "That's actually excellent casting." And then everything else came out about the, where the Queen movie was going. So when he quit, I was like, good on you, bro. (laughs) Yeah, this is very much, it seems very similar to the way that that Hollywood was interpreting the Judas Priest story. Like, oh, like, oh, this is what the band is, is like, it's very much like uh, in the, in the, in the articles about Sasha Baron Cohen, he like left the movie because they were like, they want Freddie to die in the middle of the movie. And then the rest of the movie is about how the band carried on without him and that's not how the world sees queen queen the world doesn't see queen as a successful thing despite freddie mercury or that they moved on to make great stuff without him they just view them as like a band carrying a legacy and i think hollywood also viewed like tim ripper owens filling in for for rob as like um in a similar way where it's like and the ba- and nevertheless they persisted without rob i don't i, I don't know anybody the whole, the whole perspective of this movie is fucking insane it posits a world in which a band can lose the lead singer and replace it with literally anyone and no one bats an eyelash just like 
a showgirls revolving door of people pushing each other downstairs and just jumping on stage and now it's like and now you get to be in led zeppelin or wherever the fuck you know what i mean it's crazy yeah i noticed that too i uh there was nothing believable about this movie at all it was really funny when uh i was i did a little bit of research of the movie and apparently um when it was announced that like uh a guy from a Judas Priest cover band was replacing Rob Halford. Um, like it was like our newspapers were like a fan replaces uh, the lead singer of his favorite band. Like Hollywood was like, that's a story. That's crazy. Right. And not like making a movie about Rob Halford being the incredible person that he is. And like the revolutionary that he is and leaving right. the legacy as like, the first out gay front man in metal. Like it's insane to me that they would pick the Tim Ripper Owen story and not the Rob Halford story. Totally. Well, well I the see way that they portray. This is a very homophobic movie. I think this we can is... all agree. There's not a lot to, of the homophobia on camera, but when it happens, boy, you're like, what is even the point of this? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It It is. Uh, this is one of the most uh, just over and over and over again homophobic movies like i like i i've ever seen like it just it is the first 30 minutes of this every scene has like a gay joke in it well i'm not disagreeing but i'm saying i've seen a lot worse and also you got to consider the time period that was literally every piece of media that was coming that out was at the, the time. The era and I'm not when giving like an excuse. everyone I'm just was saying saying. everything was really bad from like 1995 to you know the early 2000s. That was just like the f bombs were just everywhere. Yeah, it was the era when like the phrase "that's so gay" became mainstream, and no one even thought about it as being homophobic because it was just like what your friend said at school, mm-hmm. and. I was always like the person being like, don't say that. That's mean. But the average person just like it was like constantly in movies. And I remember people being like, it doesn't mean that I'm not homophobic. It's just what you say. You know, it was just like a pervasive part of pop culture. So, yeah, again, like to agree with Katie, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. But I do think that the perspective of the time was full different. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying that that this what that this didn't happen like i'm very aware that like you know you can't watch i can't watch ace ventura anymore because the second half of that movie yeah i'm used to like watching old stuff like this and seeing you know one scene is has the big homophobic joke or or mention or something like that i've never i i hadn't seen something where it just keeps happening over and over like really I, I, I i'm not disagreeing with you i just feel like every time i watch something from this time period that's my experience yeah. oh it. yeah i know i see i i see like i maybe it's just because i i guess i just don't rewatch stuff from the early 2000s ever like why would you it's also ludicrous yeah. that that's happening and they lifted this story from judas priest right like and they yeah. make it all but, about like that the they do they do kind of make it that like they're getting a new singer because he's gay because he they're kicking him out because he's gay. Yeah, they kind of imply that, which is uh, holy fucked. Yeah, they like try to say it was like that you're late, but then the guy goes and makes us a, a, 
uh, a speech about how he doesn't do drugs or any of this stuff. Like, so it's like, okay, well, that's really fucked up. Um, There's so much insane stuff in here. It's like, why would you even want to base it off that story when it's like, clearly the people who made this movie are not interested in the music because it was supposed to be about a dude in a heavy metal cover band who gets the B in the actual heavy metal band. But all the music in this movie is all over the place. There's a fucking talking heads clip at one point. I'm like, why would you put that in a movie about hair metal? Uh, Yeah. And it's supposed to be over a period of time, but it's like 1984 and then it's 1999 and then vaguely no other time it's so fucking weird yeah the time period i couldn't keep track of i um real quick i i 100 see the appeal in a story like this but i think the way they told the story is nuts it's it's again that thing where like if you're telling music stories that you want to to feel resonant it's just got to be about how it sucks and not in this hollywood way of like oh the drugs and the and the sex make it suck i'm like no the whole thing kind of like it needs to be that this guy who's taking his cover band too seriously like he's the villain of the piece and then when he joins the band it's just got to be that the audience kind of hates him because they do every new lead singer the audience fucking hates you for a long time it takes a lot to reestablish yourself there's yeah, most win people over if you join a band and you're the second vocalist you're doing that for even i know so many band my what it, we even talked about it on the uh on the bled episode uh we talked about seosin that band had uh that guy anthony green on a five song ep and then they got a new singer when he left and they made like four full-length albums, and then there was a riot fest reunion with them with Anthony Green, and people are paying out the ass. And I'm like, what even songs is this guy? There's only five songs with this guy. They want the like. There's just something really specific about an original singer of a band that people really can't. No one gets over. In a way. I totally so agree with all this. I just think this movie is bad for so many reasons oh, beyond so that. Many. There's yes. no salvaging. <laughs> yeah. First How of old all, is he? it posits a where is he? Pittsburgh. Yeah. It posits a world in Pittsburgh where everyone's paying up the yin yang to see cover bands, and then you the bands that tour wear the same outfits every night, and you can just buy the outfit. It's just like there's so much banana shit that I couldn't <laughs> get over Before the internet with. when like, you can look up like, you know, so-and-so's jacket and there is just like a remake that you can just buy. This is, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. You would actually have to make that yourself. Totally. And yeah. you also like the band they studied the lore of is Kiss for this movie. Like Kiss, you can buy the outfits. Kiss has armies of fans that dress up exactly like them and know every single detail like they study it like it's comic book nerddom like they know like and the they CGC literally have rating of books. their boots they have comic books too so it's like they wanted this judas priest story but they just shoved it full of like stuff that only makes sense in like a kiss universe but even beyond right. that like they're playing like the cover band's 
playing a concert at an oil rig? You can't fucking do that. I mean, you might have been able to in the 80s, but it's more just like... There's just so many wild things to me about this. Like, yeah. my favorite thing... Okay, so they made up a bunch of fake bands, right? The main yeah. band is called Steel Dragon. What a horrible name. And they don't yeah. mention any real bands for the whole fucking movie there's even a scene where mark Wahlberg holds up a record to his little bro of just like some made-up metal band and then <laughs> in the mi- near like the last hand of the movie one of the guys in the band mentions rat and i'm like who had it out for rat man <laughs> i kind of love that that's the only real band they mentioned i feel yeah. like i feel like rat gets lumped in with a bunch of shitty bands and they were actually really great i love I rat, love I thought, rat. Yeah. yeah I got no qualms with rat, man. I'm from I Queens. I love rat. With rats in our apartment. Yeah. To bring it full circle. <laughs> if the band rat was crawling around your walls, not wouldn't be mad. <laughs> Just waking you up at 3 a.m. Round and round. All right, boys. <laughs> boys, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> okay, you guys. It's Tuesday. You're all like 65 years old. Then there's... Jennifer Aniston's in this movie and we have to discuss it because I have a lot to say. First of all, I have trouble seeing Jennifer Aniston anyone other than Jennifer Aniston in a movie and it's not her fault. She is um, just Jennifer Aniston all the time. I yeah, I honestly really loved her character. And I just the reason I loved her character is I feel like in that era women are always or not always they're often only portrayed as like the madonna or the horror character and like they have to either be extremely uptight and bitchy and like never letting their man off the leash and like not understanding any of the rock and roll world or they're a groupie whore you know what i mean like well, and, and she I was, was going to say, like, this, like, I want to see her movie because she had a really interesting arc that we didn't even get to see. Totally. But, like, I loved that of all the insanity of this movie, she was given real depth and intelligence. And she was, like, this fun, understanding woman who was like, I don't care. Go do your thing. I also am going to go do my thing. And, like, she tries out the orgy. She tries out the partying and getting drunk and does all the stuff. And she's like, actually, it's not for me. Like, it's a perfect balance of, like, a really well-rounded woman character in a rock movie. And I feel like they're, in that time period at least, there were not very many of those. I like the idea. I do want to see her move. Like, I, I want to see her go, like, yeah, go to Seattle with Rachel, whoever the other person was. I want to see, like, her leaving a the tour at in like the first 15 minutes and then the rest of it is figuring out Seattle because in the gay in the in the gaze of how they're portraying her in this movie like she's just really perfect like because she tries out the drugs and the and the orgy and everything and then is like you know she just puts up with so much it's it's a real sitcom wife kind of thing where she puts up with so much shit from this guy who didn't have a job and was in a cover band Mm -hmm. you know it's a lot of bullshit i don't know man straight people in small towns do all sorts of crazy shit when there's one cool dude around (laughs) (laughs) or zero cool dudes around yeah yeah man (laughs) Um, ian's going to the cover show well just really quickly when i said that before obviously i wasn't using the word whore like 
as myself describing a person because I like groupies a lot and think they're fucking awesome. But you know, yeah, using no, Madonna it like, horror complex is how it's a, a film trope. Yeah, I, I knew just what in you case were anybody at. listening thought that I was using that word to mean something bad. But. No. Sex work is real work. Fuck yes. Um, or even if you're just having fun, that's also fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Banging dudes in bands. Yeah. Who hasn't done that? Makes it for Jordan. Me, me, but it's not it's it's not for me not feeling that I'm boring. I do think it's boring that I'm not fucking dudes in bands. There's still time, Jordan. There's still time. I, yeah. I believe in you. You know, women so. age out, those... but men have a higher shelf life, as we learn through American society. So, <laughs> That's you know. right. All right, let's talk about his cover band. The first scene with the cover band just does my favorite thing, which is the band argues about something that is music related, but bands don't talk about anything that way. You know what I mean? Like oh, the, the guitar squealing? The guitar squealing, like... You gotta play like you play like they wouldn't. This movie suffers so greatly from clearly nobody knowing anyone involved in music even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like there's so so much banana shit like that that makes no sense. My favorite of which, several times in this movie, they are playing live on stage in front of a large crowd, and full conversations happen on stage. (laughs) Yeah. Like an insane like you you'd be able like when you're playing live like I'm not I haven't been in a band since high school and even I know like you can like maybe lean over and just be like hey watch out and like that's about it. You can't just be <laughs> yeah. like hey um we really need to discuss your position in the band and we need to talk, you know, we really need to have an in-depth conversation. Oh yeah, I'm sorry you feel that way. Like while someone's like soloing, that's yeah. fucking banana. It's so bananas. I laughed so fucking hard. Generally, when I was watching it, I was like, I want to just do a sketch where mafia men are playing a concert, just a loud concert, but then they have to have very dramatic mafia conversations. <laughs> Listen, Jimmy Prosciutto, he's wearing a wire. What? Get the fuck out of here. And someone's playing a solo <laughs> at the same time. I Jimmy think be Prosciutto. So- <laughs> like... <laughs> This show is so full of prosciutto jokes. I mean, I love smoked meats. Just, <laughs> sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, fucking, I, yeah. You know what? I'm too old to lie about being vegan anymore, okay? <laughs> now <It's just, laughs> you straight age weirdos are going to call me back. So, yeah, I like smoked meat, okay? <laughs> Welcome to my mafia sketch. But, yeah, you know... I'm just saying, like, if you had a lead singer in a band who was always, like, walking off stage while you'd be playing, you'd be like, no, what? No. (laughs) Stop doing that. Yeah. You got to knock it off. My favorite, like, uh, wrong band-ism was at the very end of the movie. I'm skipping ahead. I don't care. Um, Yeah, yeah, let's do it. When they're... This was the craziest thing in the movie is, like, the, the, like, final straw for Mark Wahlberg... For some reason, which really comes out of nowhere that there's even a final straw in him being in this band, is when he comes in and goes like, drops album art that he drew himself, and then is like, I wrote all these songs for the band, and then the band is like, um, actually, just how this works is, uh, uh, me and Peter, we or whatever the guy's name is, like, we write all the songs, and then Mark Wahlberg flips the fuck out. 
about not being able to write originals, even though at the beginning of the whole movie is him not giving a shit about right. Like there's nothing that moved you him towards literally originals. Don't see him touch an instrument. No. You don't see him writing lyrics. You don't. You don't see a cheesy thing where he like tells. They don't have that like stereotypical movie uh, music. Uh, uh, a music movie moment where they're playing it they're like something's not right and he's like try it like this they don't do any of that shit he shows zero interest in doing anything except being in his favorite band yeah. until literally the last 20 minutes of the film the gla- yeah there's nothing that like pushes that arc at all and also just the way that the uh the movie like villainizes the fact that there are two people that write everything in the band it's like that's most bands <laughs> Most bands are two dudes writing all the stuff, not to the detriment of the rest of the band. It's just that they're like, well, they kind of know what they're doing. Like, that's what most, that's how it works. Also, you'd think that when he got hired in the band, they would have, he would have, yeah, like he would have had to sign something or at least have a conversation where they're like, look, you're a hired gun and that's all you're ever going to be. So don't try any bullshit. Yeah. Or even, I, I don't know, like he flipped out really hard at them going like well you know we write the stuff this is you joined our band yeah they really framed it like the audience is supposed to feel for him and get mad too no and like I, empathize with I know. what an outrage this is that he can't write a song even though well, the movie hasn't yeah the movie I just know if I was in that scenario I'd be like it'd be hard not to laugh at him yes you know? <laughs> he drew an old like, he said no logo and he drew the used album cover that was in the hot topic I worked at the taste so of ink ins- or whatever yeah I don't know the one that has like the sad little heart he's just like no band logo like it'll just be this drawing I drew myself oh god it's so insane you know what this film is about really when you think about it it they wanted to tell this story of like the the biz and stuff, but really what it is is it's about the most epic Punisher of all time. Yes. The like most successful Punisher. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He just hung out long enough. He just he he did it. Yeah. <laughs> Until his drugs and bad bad decisions humbled him to the point where he suddenly changed his entire personality and became Eddie Vedder. Out of nowhere. Like, I'm gonna join Lighthouse, guys. <laughs> We're gonna do it. <laughs> it was yeah, that's the weirdest part is that at no point does the movie like it doesn't allow him to be an asshole at all. Ever. Like you're always supposed to be on his side. Like when Timothy Oliphant in the craziest wig I've ever seen is just thrown in so bad. <laughs> that is what the hell was going on. It didn't look I- he didn't look like he was an '80s hairband. He looked like he was Mike Myers in Coffee Talk. It what his character? What the fuck was that? Were we supposed to like him or hate him? I don't know. I honestly don't. He know. showed back up at the end. He really gives a shit about like intermittent solos in these cover songs. Like that's such a weird thing for these two dudes to be fighting about, like on stage. And I just, I didn't know if we were supposed to villainize that guy yet for for wanting to just throw in a couple of licks here and there that aren't hurting just, the song. The whole movie was full of like weird gray areas, except for the main guy in Steel Dragon, where you're like, oh, it turns out he is bad. Oh, yeah. Um, the guy from The Wire. 
This movie suffers heavily from early 2000s editing techniques, too. I, I would be remiss Ooh. if we did not bring it up. The, yes. the font that had on the opening credits made me scream. It looked like oh it was going to be Josie and the Pussycats or something. <laughs> it basically was Josie and the Pussycats, except for Josie and the Pussycats was a good movie. Yes, that's right. one of my favorite movies. I love Josie and the Pussycats. But this, yeah, it, I was very, at the beginning of the movie, I was like, this isn't a hair metal font. This is Batman forever. <laughs> Speaking of editing, the epic fall scene where he falls for like five minutes down the <laughs> stage <laughs> cracked me there up. There was so much slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like clearly the director had like watched train spotting a week before and he's like, we gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta do some fast mo. We gotta do some <laughs> slow-mo. I love slow-mo where yeah, it just repeats. They weren't they clearly didn't prepare to do a slow-mo scene, so it's just like frame by frame. It's just real $6 million man business. But yeah, like, once again, like, the costuming on the uh, the 80s hose were, like, perfect, and then everyone else was just in this weird void of time and space. Where yeah. are we? Where are we going? Everyone's outfit was really confusing, except for Zach Wilde, but that's just because he's... Zach Wilde in the movie. We forgot to talk about the unnecessary Batman car thing. Yes. Oh, yeah, that completely random scene for no reason. That was amazing. Yeah, that's the only scene I remembered from the movie because as a kid, when I saw this, like, the only thing I remembered is, yeah, if I got rich, I'd buy the Batmobile. <laughs> that's it. That's all I... <laughs> is, that, is that the point of the scene just to show like the excessive amounts of money they had for no reason I think so I think they wanted to show that he's like because he buys a new house and everything and the car he chooses to buy is the Batmobile sick yeah and I was like I would probably do that I would buy a Bat like if I certainly had certainly worse things one could buy with their rock and roll money I have I think just like <laughs> someone filming was like, hey man, we got Adam West Batman car here. And they're like, fucking put in the movie, sick. Although it's sick. probably less stonery and more coke fueled, but you guys get the idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and then he buys the Batmobile. It's really funny that yes. like coke ideas and then like eight year old ideas are the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that checks out. <laughs> That's so real. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. When I was eight years old, I was probably just like, we should start a business together. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Well, this movie sucked, huh? <laughs> this movie, yeah, this movie was fuck. This movie just, I, here's what I will say. Mark Wahlberg is trying in this movie. <laughs> oh, he clearly everyone's doesn't, trying. <laughs> he clearly doesn't understand exactly what he's supposed supposed to be doing in this movie but he is really given his all to whatever it is what rock stars do you think he studied to get in character for this role hmm. the thing bon the thing Jovi. that's wrong <laughs> yeah yeah totally. the thing that's wrong about it is he shouldn't have been studying any rock stars he should have been just studying little nerds and just been a little nerd to the whole Tim time Ripper owens I guess I don't know a lot about Tim Ripper Owens, which <laughs> was the thing also that when Judas Priest found out that somebody uh, like optioned the story, uh, they there's like interviews with them going like, yeah, we heard that they wanted to 
make the movie of our story and we thought that that was really cool and they were like yeah if you want to if you wanted us to tell you how anything kind of went down uh just you know call us let us you know we're here to talk to you and then just nothing ever happened and they were like well okay and then they saw the movie and they were like i guess i was entertained that has nothing to do <laughs> with with us or tim or rob that was none of that happened yeah that's not how it was you know it sounds like a classic hollywood move where they just fucking heard like a snippet and they wrote a whole movie and just wanted to make that movie i mean luckily i there's no way to know this has anything to do with judas priest unless you fucking know about it do you know what i mean like the only slight nod is when they see that like leather outfit in the the recording studio hallway yes yeah was that a recording studio or was that someone's house filled with memorabilia like what the fuck that was I loved that weird mansion. I loved that when uh, Mark Wahlberg gets dragged in by the manager and then the guy just leaves the recording studio and then no one escorts him out. That guy is just roaming that house unattended. (laughs) Uh, We just need to emphasize, if you guys have not seen the film, it ends with him taking a sincere trip to Seattle where he literally, they imply that he uh, hitchhikes there. Yeah, and he cuts off his hair, and he suddenly and puts has on a, a guitar. Sweater, even though you know Mark Wahlberg was feeling himself in that sweater. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Loved it. He suddenly has a guitar out of nowhere, even though he has never picked one up the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> I guess like was the was like the. Sorry, I just caught a bug with my hands. Um, <laughs> I didn't think that was gonna happen, um, but I loved this like. Uh, it was weird because this movie is from 2001 and uh, it's, I guess, like, it's the movie's trying to say, like, yeah, grunge is the real music and grunge has been dead for five years. Yeah, so, but it's, like, loosely based on an- another story, so it's probably supposed to be kind of like a period piece. I don't know. What's the other story? Yeah, I think... I'm Tim Ripper Owens. Well, it's... I'm, I'm saying, yeah, like, like, I think they were... The the movie takes place in the late 80s, early 90s, so it's supposed to end when grunge happened. Like, like the beginnings of grunge are hair metal. Oh, I know. I'm just saying that because of... what It's weird that the movie is taking... Just a movie from 2001 is taking a stance that, like, the real heart and soul of music is grunge. Yeah. And then, like... In the late two thousand, in the early two thousands, we're seeing just all the negative repercussions of what was happening in the grunge scene. Because you got what, like Lane Staley just passed away, like a year before this movie comes out, and it's just people really talking about all the heroin. I think at, the time. at this point it was two thousand one, so I think we in two thousand nineteen can look back and see like how bloated and overblown the grunge scene had gotten. And because it was like, um, you know, like record executives from all over were capitalizing on it and kind of leeching off of it. And it was on the runways in fashion shows, like, like flannel suddenly, like it got kind of taken over and ridiculous. And a lot of people died and right. it wasn't what it once was, but I don't think that, culturally we were aware of that in 2001 i think we were still in the midst of like grunge was a cool thing um and also it was like the height of the the post grunge bands like lifehouse and uh puddle of mud and 
all those like yarly blonde guy you hair right. behind the ears type of dudes. And, and I think that people were still moving to Seattle at that time to do something in the music scene. So it was still like a cool place. I'm, I'm seeing that. It's like just, it was just funny in my head um, because the, the time is so vague with this and Tim did. And since they were doing the Tim story, yeah, I thought it was going to be mid nineties. So I, I was like, I was surprised that he's in a grunge band at the end. I was like, I kind of wanted him to to see him put on some Jinkos and get a DJ. Like <laughs> I wanted him to start. Yeah, I was like, why and that's when he, he should have been biscuit. in a new metal band at the end, and that would have whipped ass. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been incredible. I would have yeah. really loved the movie if that had happened. Yeah, if they just if he's just like it could have ended with uh, Marky Mark actually doing some rapping, and that would have been great. <laughs> I would have been excited. Here's the thing. As I pointed out when we last saw each other, Marky Mark hates being called Marky Mark. So I was shocked that they put a clip of the song in the credits because he's notorious from like railing against people when they bring that up to him. Like I heard a story about him guessing on SNL and someone brought that up to him and he like left in a shit fit. So I don't know. Why would you talk about that part of my life to me? <laughs> You're going to talk about my yeah. big shorts time? How did it take us so long to get to imitations? It's because it's just you and you're the only one that likes doing it besides <laughs> Drew and Jeremy. I and love... like me and Kat are not going to fuck around with that shit. Nope. So. I love a Mark Wahlberg impression. It's so funny. But this is... I also have a theory on a Mark Wahlberg movie. Mark Wahlberg doesn't cry in this movie. And if Mark Wahlberg doesn't cry in a movie, it's a bad Mark Wahlberg movie. If he sobs like a tiny little baby... You watched a good Mark Wahlberg movie. Which movie does he sob in? Oh, Boogie Nights, all like the early days. Does David he cry in The Departed? He might. I don't know. He's the, like the only one that I lives. don't. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah. Me either. I think he's like a side character, but like he like, yeah, Bo- Boogie Nights, he's just sobbing all over that movie. Just like, why would you do that to me? Why are you being mean to me right now? Um, and it's great. And I realized every movie he's in that is like a an award-winning movie it also has mark Wahlberg ugly crying in it i do and I'm love like, it you love to see it i yeah. love to see it and so do the critics well i think we've said everything we could possibly say about this mediocre movie and well I'd there's like one thing dinner. i wanted to bring up that i forgot to mention before when we were talking yeah, yeah. about rob halford was that i noticed at the end when the credits come up and they have like the bloopers and stuff um because I'm not a film person. What's the thing called that you slap and you say action? Oh, the slate. The slate. Okay, so the slate says Metal God on yes. it. Yes. And Metal God is, of course, Rob Halford's nickname. So they were originally going to name it after Rob Halford, even though it's a movie based off of Tim Ripper Owens, which is just mind-blowing to me. So do you guys know at what point they changed the title from Metal God to Rockstar? Right before it came out. So was that at the behest of Judas Priest or was that just because wow. they decided Rockstar was a better name? No, they, I should have looked this up before we did I the did podcast. I did look this up. Okay. Um, so yeah. That's they crazy. Re- That's so disrespectful. I'm so glad they changed the I know. title. Yeah. For real. <laughs> it's definitely, it's one of those things where I think they wanted to call it Metal God in a very, because there's also, it is, it is Rob's nickname, but since it's also the name of a Judas Priest song. Like they were definitely going for like a Bohemian Rhapsody, like name it after Mm -hmm. a track, even though that's so fucking crazy. 
Yeah. Like, um, th- yeah, they were about to put the movie out and then the studio was like, no, change it to like Rockstar because th- if it's about metal, it'll be too niche. If people think it's about metal, like they won't come and see it. So that's why like the cover of the movie is Mark Wahlberg in like an olive coat with a soft case guitar bag and it says Rockstar in like Helvetica font. Right. Because if it was like, a leather and spikes type of situation it would immediately turn off like 80 percent of the population i guess yeah that's what they thought but um i don't yeah. know i don't know how well this movie did either way i think it did bad i think it did bad <laughs> whatever if you did it that's just one of those decisions where it's like i don't know if you didn't want to make a movie about it just seems like they just didn't want to make this movie like every decision yeah. that they made they were like we want to make this movie about a uh, like a a guy from a cover band, um, like joining his favorite band, and uh, but what if the what if what if being in a cover band wasn't lame and it was like really important and writing music sucked in this world? Okay, cool. And what if people loved whenever there was new singers or whatever? Like they just didn't want to tell this story at all. Yeah, like. There was I only mean, one is... person on the entire staff that knew anything about music at all. And that person loves rat. Yeah, that person <laughs> got rat in the movie. <laughs> and other than that, no musical knowledge whatsoever. Yeah. They just like watched some concert footage on a DVD once. And they're like, I can make that movie. One thing that is interesting is that I was looking through the, uh, the Wikipedia of this movie is that... Because you pointed out that you liked how surprisingly well-rounded the Jennifer Aniston character is. I noticed that one of the drafts was redone by a, a by like a woman writer and I was like, oh yeah, okay, they did that early, they did that fucking Hollywood thing where they just had like a female writer come in and write the the woman character. Interesting. And probably she didn't touch any other part of the movie, but was just like, I'm pretty sure Jennifer Aniston wasn't doing like anything else in the movie or they were just like making her like, like a bitch or whatever. Like the, the classic like, stereotype, a, a of stereotype whatever, yeah. of like what awful straight men in early 2000s thought right. was quote, quote, a bitch. I'm not going to let you off of your short leash to go on this tour and you better not do any drugs at all. Yeah. Literally, just make her the mom from Almost Famous. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. I think I. I just yeah. Well, also, that was- there's the stereotype of like the wholesome, like small town chick who like seems cool there, but then as soon as they move away, it's like she can't handle right. it. Which is kind of what it was, but not really. She was pretty self. It was because but, she know- wanted to go have her own life and start her own business, as opposed to like wanting to stay home and not let him have his own life. It's as if you should just have women write the whole movie <laughs> yeah for <laughs> real uh final thoughts on this this movie's bad it's i didn't bad. like it. it was mediocre it like wasn't horrible but it was not a good movie don't watch it it's bad i didn't mind looking at mark Wahlberg's abs yeah that was nice it was like a redeeming factor in the movie that he always had an open leather jacket on i was like you know what that's fine he's a handsome boy who always you know, gives at least at this point in his career a hundred a hundred and ten percent to whatever thing he's a part of. I did laugh every time there was like a really overdone Zach Wild little 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 squeal guitar riff. I laughed 
so hard. Totally. I could just tell that he was just like in the studio having to record like the riffs or whatever for it. And he's like, what's this one called? And they're like, uh, this one's called Stand Up and Shout. Ugh, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know he was psyched to have so many lines. Yeah, I can't believe they gave him so many lines. They had to edit so much of him because he clearly he clearly didn't say half of these lines. Like They had to like overdub him or like get him off camera just reading the line off of a piece of paper. And then they dubbed it onto his face afterwards yeah, it was it was insane. magical getting zach wild to talk in this movie it seems like something that you can get around by just having him have a giant beard it would have been fine it would have been like a, a miyazaki movie where the beard just moves and then a voice comes out <laughs> <laughs> yeah just mr ed that shit yeah for sure let's do plugs uh oh me okay yeah you can find me at twitter at Katie Rose or on Instagram at oh hello Katie Rose please listen to my other podcast about anime it's called Ballin' Out Super, Super. and uh it's pretty fun you guys all the place podcasts are wow okay um you can find me on uh Twitter at Cat Jones Soda or oh you know what's really funny about that is that the other day my coworker literally thought that my last name was Jones Soda. It's the first time it's <gasps> ever happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's a joke about Jones Soda. And my name's Cat Jones. Ha ha ha. Hello, I'm Cat Jones Soda, heiress to the, to the Jones Soda fortune. Yeah, yeah, it was really whole funny. Shoe box of three, like three one dollar bills, <laughs> exactly, and some Polaroids that an art student took. Anyway, you can find me on Instagram at Cat Jones with three O's, and Cat that's Cat Jones. <laughs> Hell yes. yeah! Uh, please follow Two Minutes to Late Night at Two Minutes to Late Night on Instagram at Two M Two L N on Twitter. Please donate to the Patreon. That's how we keep this podcast going. We're going to be also doing a lot, uh, like more, more live shows throughout the year. We're figuring out We're how to book all it. over the fucking. We're place. all over the fucking place. You're going to see one of those live videos very soon from our Psycho Vegas show. We're putting that together. We got to do some extra stuff because uh, we 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 made a complicated joke at the end. That's it. That's how it has how it happens sometimes. <laughs> sometimes one joke takes a really fucking long time to put together. Um, yeah, sometimes so, it be like that. Sometimes it be like that. And you can help it be like that at honorableswords.com. It redirects to the Patreon. You can see all of our tiers of all kinds of special stuff you can get from us. It's real fun. Hooray. We're going to be at Fest and Jordan's... Uh uh, Van Halen cover band Panamama with lead singer of War on Women, Shauna Potter, is going to be playing the Halloween pre-show, so get your costumes and dollar bills, because I'm assuming they'll tip you like drag queens. I'm putting that out there. Yeah, please do that. That would be cool. Also, I don't know how they would do that, because I just found out that they're putting us on the big outdoor stage. Oh my god! Way too, yeah, I thought I thought this cover show was gonna be in a small one of the small bars, one of like the much smaller bars. Amazing! Nope. that's pretty cool. That'll be pretty cool. Uh, very weird, also. But uh, yes, we're doing a fest show. 
Uh, we're scheduling some other live shows, so please keep just keep following us on all the things. You're gonna figure it out. We also have we have merch at terriercult.com. Go to terriercult. Go to friends. Go to two minutes to late night. You'll see all of our shirts. We have new designs in the works right now. New shit coming up. Speaking of new shit, we have backpacks and towels up there. It's fucking September. It's cold, but guess what? You still need to wash your butt, so get a towel and dry it off when you wash it. You need it. Okay. Okay. That's it. Clean butt crew. Clean your butt. Loads of it. Bye.